everyone, and welcome to the Bat Flip Podcast, episode 113. I'm David Westergreen because Damian Leininger is under the weather tonight. With me is Matt Arcara, and uh, we're going to be talking about the AL East tonight. So uh, before we get started, Matt, how are you doing? Doing pretty good. Um, had a pretty decent weekend, and uh, just been hanging out. And uh, yeah, everything's been uh, everything's been going well. I, I would ask Damian how he was doing, but uh, I think we've got the answer to that already. He's not talking, so um, I'll ask you. How are you doing, David? I'm doing good. Uh, definitely a rough week last week, but we're we're moving back forward and, and the start of a new week this week. That much closer to baseball season. Already getting videos of people reported to spring yeah. training and World Baseball Classic is going to start up really soon. It's uh, NASCAR started yesterday. Everything's kind of starting to come together finally but uh for the spring kind of get rid of this winter because it's just finally starting to warm up here in chicago too so uh, kind of looking up definitely a positive a positive weekend overall after kind of a bad week last week so let's start off with our al east breakdown now we've done this before um but you know we're gonna get into each team in the division uh, but we're going to do it a little bit differently this week. So, and I hopefully the rest of this spring to try to kind of cut down on the overall time of these kind of episodes. Uh, we're going to talk about maybe give an off-season grade of kind of the moves that we think each team has done, and then we'll talk about one player on the team that we really like, one player that we're worried about in terms of their 2023 performance, and then we'll try to give a prediction of kind of what's going to happen to this team at the end of the season. So, uh, with that, Matt. Let's start off with the AL East. Let's talk about the Boston Red Sox. Ooh, this will be a good doozy to start off with. Um, so uh, I guess we'll start with our offseason, um, our offseason grade, and kind of what they did, what they didn't do. Maybe uh, for the Red Sox, I think their grade is influenced by a little bit of both. Uh, they did add some pieces. Uh, I gave them a C for their grade. They added, uh, they added some good pitchers, which are maybe not super good pitchers, but they added some guys that they really needed pitchers and they went into the bullpen and they addressed it by signing Kidley Jansen and Chris Martin trading for Richard Blyer. And they added Corey Kluber to the rotation that just didn't have a lot of depth. Uh, they added a few pieces to their lineup too. Uh, Masataka Yoshida uh, was the Japanese signing they made uh, for the big, really their big dollar signing. And then they also added Adam Duvall to a short deal uh, at Alberto Mondesi. They, they made a trade for, and they added Justin Turner as well. So they added a lot of pieces, a lot of veteran pieces in this off season. And the big thing though, for me is that the guy they don't have, and that's Xander Bogarts. And as, as I've talked on the show before, I really like Xander Bogarts as a player. I think he's a consistently great shortstop bat. And before people yell at me, I want to say that I think he is a very similar type of player to Derek Jeter. So people are going to people might yell at me for well, it. Some people might yell at me because they think he's way better than Derek Jeter. But uh, I think he's a similar type of player. And now he is not with the Red Sox. So losing that, I uh, losing him drops my grade, and I give him a C. So yeah, I, I've got him as a C plus based almost identically to your reasoning, but with the one move you didn't mention, and that's extending Rafael Devers to an 11-year, $330 million deal. And I think that was the A-plus, absolutely had to do it move of the offseason, 
everything else you mentioned though is just drawing me way back that they just didn't do enough they didn't commit to uh losing this season or you know trying to extend their core to to support their future it's very ambiguous as to what their plan is here and so i i don't really foresee them uh, looking back favorably on this offseason with the exception of that rafael devers deal he's the guy i want to talk about though because rafael devers is absolutely awesome and we did talk about him a little bit when we were uh, analyzing that free agent extent or the extension, but Devers is not a particularly good fielder at third base, but he is such a good hitter that I am fully convinced that this is going to, you know, be a huge year for Rafael Devers, like MVP consideration type of year where he's finally got that security that. I can, he can just sit back and, and go, he doesn't have to prove anything. He's just going to go out there and have fun and play baseball. I really like the, the potential that Rafael Devers brings that he can kind of mash in the middle of this lineup uh, where maybe he gets like a, a 20% walk rate type of year where, it, because the rest of the lineup is so weak. He just kind of becomes that feared hitter in the lineup where either pitchers are over pitching, making mistakes and getting crushed, or they're pitching around Rafael Devers in this lineup and just getting out the other eight guys. Uh, to where he just ends up with a massive year and the rest of this team just kind of falters around him. Yeah, I, I, I think that Rafael Devers has a chance to have a really good year. Um, the only thing about Rafael Devers is that I do worry a little bit about when he's not in a lineup that is really, really good and, and people are pitching around him a little bit, how aggressive is he going to be? Is he going to be overly yeah. aggressive? Because his walk rates have never been all that great. Like, they're fine. But they haven't been like elite walk rates in his career, and I worry a little bit that he might start to get frustrated and and try to and start chasing a little bit more with that with that being the case. I mean, his career high walk rate is nine percent in twenty twenty one. This year it was eight point one percent, which those are totally fine. They're not they're above they're average to above average the last couple of years. But you know, it's one of those things where I, I worry a little bit about him, you know, chasing a little bit too much. But uh. But I wanted to, I mean, and, and Rafael Devers is the obvious, obvious answer to which players do you like uh, for this team because there's just not a lot of players that I like there. But uh, I did want to shout out somebody else because I think that sometimes, you know, it's the obvious one here is it's not my favorite one to shout out. But uh, I wanted to, I wanted to put Tristan Casas up there. Um, I think that he is a guy who he's a top prospect. Um, he was picked in the, uh, or he was, he, he's been coming up. He's been in the top 100 list forever, top 40 prospect, uh, got called up last year, uh, to, uh, the big league club. And he had a 120 WRC plus with the big league club that happened while running a 208 Babbitt, uh, in his career, he has put up elite plate discipline numbers, uh, you know, walk rates in triple a being 14 between 14 and 20 percent over the last two years in 2021 and 2022 uh not a ton of games there it's an 81 game sample size but he's got a good eye at the plate he doesn't strike out an awful lot and he's got pretty decent pop last year in 72 games at triple a he had 11 home runs i mean that's not crazy numbers but that's on pace for you know 25 26 homers if over the course of 162 games so uh i think that uh rafael i mean uh tristan casas could be a guy who you know, breaks out a little bit offensively for this team this year. It's something they desperately need. They've been missing a first baseman for a long time. So uh, I, I do like Tristan Casas going into this year. Awesome. Yeah. And, you know, 
Casas kind of leads a crop of young players that, that Boston does have, which is why I kind of wish they were a little more con, um, direct with what they were going for this offseason. Uh, who is a player that you are worried about going into this year? Um, well, this is a team that has so many players you could be worried about. I mean, because they have a lot of they a lot of their free agent pickups were aging bullpen arms and aging starting pitchers and aging infielders and mm-hmm. aging outfielders. I mean, they mm-hmm. they added a little bit of everything as long as it was aging. But um, I worry about um, I mean, I it's it, it's just so many guys you could pick. You could pick Justin Turner. I mean, he's thirty eight years old. He didn't play a ton last year. He showed some signs of slowing down with the power. You could pick, you know, I mean, any of their pitchers really. Uh, they all have injury risk or and or are aging, uh, except for maybe Garrett Whitlock. You just don't know who what he's going to be as a full time rotation arm. But the guy I went ahead and picked is just because he's a guy that at a position that they really needed, and that is back into the bullpen closing. And uh, they haven't had anybody locking that down since Craig Kimbrell was still good. And Kenley Jansen is the guy that I picked. I just last year he was with the Braves and I liked him. I liked what he did. He did a fine job, but I just didn't. He didn't seem like he was quite the same guy last year, even when he was going through his good stretches as he had been in the past. Even like going back to 2021 when he was with the the Dodgers and he was under a lot of criticism when he looked good, he looked extremely good. Like he looked untouchable still. I mean, he, he always has gone through, you know, last three or four years, he's gone through a phase where he wasn't great for a month, but this past year, even when he was like putting up good numbers, he was still, it just felt like it, maybe he wasn't the same guy as he had been in the past. And I mean, he's 35 years old. He's a big guy. He's, he's got those health issues too. The, the concern about the, you know, the heart um, that he's had in the past. He's been on the IL, I think, like three years in a row for a stint with, with that with that heart issue. Um, you know, I, I worry a little bit about Kenley Jansen. That's a guy that the, you know, the Red Sox really needed. They spent a lot of money on him for for an aging reliever. So uh, we'll see what happens. I hope Kenley Jansen does well because I really really like him. But, um, you know, maybe we'll, we'll see what happens this year. The, the projection systems have him penciled in at like an almost four ERA this coming up year. And, and for a guy you're signing a lot of money for a closer, uh, I just don't think that's what you want to see. So, I gotcha. I, I'm going to change my answer from what I wrote down on our sheet, actually, because I my initial thought is Masataka Yoshida. I don't know enough about him yeah. to be able to make that educated guess. I will say that the 2023 projection that shows him hitting over 300 with a 380 on base percentage, he's not going to hit that. I, j- there's no way. No. Right? There's just no shot. I, I compare him maybe unfavorably to say Suzuki, who came over and hit 262, 336, 433 for a 116 WRC plus, and that was a pretty successful debut, all things considered. So, you know, if he gets to those numbers, I'll be surprised because he had less of a reputation than say Suzuki did in Japan. Um, so. There you go. My guy is going to be their just their catching situation in general, right? It's it's Reese McGuire and Jorge Alfaro currently is their catching situation for the Red Sox. They've lost uh, Christian Vasquez. They currently have nobody to replace the production of Christian Vasquez. Not to mention, I don't think you know, Reese McGuire is an okay defensive catcher, but I I just think they are going to suffer. Uh, defensively catcher and then just offensively as well. You know, Reese McGuire is kind of a backup. He's really not a guy who needs to be starting every day at catcher. And then Jorge Alfaro has been very um, inconsistent to start his career and is not viewed favorably in the framing or game calling department. So um, 
I, I just I do not like this catching situation. It's not going to help the pitching staff. One pitcher, though, I, I will say I, I'm with you on Kenley Jansen. I think John Schreiber has the closer's job by June. And I think he's, he runs with it. John Schreiber's really nasty. So guy to look out for there. I think Kenley's going to not be nearly as good uh, as some of those other guys in the bullpen. But you're right. Aging staff, a lot of problems here. Yeah, and you mentioned the catcher situation. I would not be super surprised for them to come out of spring training and maybe trade for one of those guys who signed minor league deals. A guy like a, uh, you know, maybe a mm-hmm. Roberto Perez or somebody just to add a defensive replacement type catcher. I see Kevin Plowacki's still out there in a free agent market. So, I mean, I guess a guy like that maybe to just add a defensive catcher type. That- um, it's not going to help. <laughs> I mean, it won't, but like, yeah. just, I mean, it's, you know, it might be better than what they've got now, Jorge Alfaro. I mean, but, right. um, but yeah, so, uh, but yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think that that's a, that's an issue for them. And, and I agree on Yoshida too. I mean, he's, I feel like I might be a little bit higher on him than you are, but I, I think he's might be a little bit safer of a prospect than say, uh, even though he doesn't have the upside. If if I had to, sure, sure, yeah. I mean, I think he's a little safer, but he might have the upside. But I, I think he'll be a somewhat productive hitter at the at the plate. And they, you know, they gave him a lot of money though, which was they gave yeah. him a lot of money, and more for, money than say I got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's kind of crazy, but uh, but yeah, uh, you know, just uh, I guess we'll look at our outlooks here, and and my outlook is out of the teams in this division, um. I just this seems like the weakest team on paper to me. I mean, they don't really have a standout spot. I mean, their lineup seems to be like maybe at league average. I mean, if you had a there's a scenario where a couple of these veterans end up doing really, really well for this team. You know, there's a scenario where I'm not going to say I'm not saying that the scenario is 107 wins. There's a scenario where they're somewhat similar to the 2021 Giants, where they have all these veterans who at one time and they're not so not super distant past were really, really good. And, you know, a couple of them, you know, have bounced back years. A guy like Justin Turner, uh, maybe a pitcher like, uh, you know, maybe James Paxton and Chris Sell both decide to, for one time, once in their lives, be healthy all year. And these bullpen arms maybe all, you know, end up repeating last year. I mean, there's a scenario where this team ends up being decent. They're not the worst team in baseball, but, I mean, I, there's way – way more question marks with this team than, than I think with any other team in this division on, on all three levels. I mean, there's a scenario where their lineup's awful. There's a scenario where their rotation is awful. There's a scenario where their bullpen is awful. And I think that they'll end up somewhere kind of like, I don't know, they'll end up with something like, in this division, maybe not, but somewhere around 70 wins-ish. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think they're going to be like a 100-loss team or something unless they just sell off everybody, which is possible, but... I think they'll end up somewhere like around 70 to 75 wins. So we'll see what happens with them, though. I mean, there there is some upside with this team, uh, but um, I don't especially like what they've done. And, and on paper, this roster is just not all that great. So yeah, I've got them selling at the deadline. I, I just yeah. I think there's going they're going to try to extract as much value as they can from maybe Chris Sale or Paxton, if any of them are healthy. If Kluber stays healthy, he'll just get flipped. Yeah. Um. You know, Jansen might even get flipped, right? I, I don't think Chris Martin's tradable, uh, if unless he's like really, really good. But you know, he only went for Zach McKinstry last year on a one-year deal with much, much less money involved. So, um, you know, 
the, the position players are all kind of weak. You know, we didn't talk about them all, but yeah, I just think they're going to try to extract value from this roster wherever they can. So let's move to the number two team or the, well, the second, the fourth best team in the AL East from last season, that being the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, so for our off season grade, I gave them a C minus because I really didn't feel like the Orioles added very much at all. Matt, what'd you give them? I, I gave them a, I gave them a, C, a D plus. I, it's hard with this team because in, in some ways I felt like they probably should have added a lot because they were close last year. But in some ways I also kind of felt like they're, they're due for some regression and that, maybe stay in the course for one more year while some of these young guys end up coming up to the big league level and getting their footing and then spending big that might be the case that, that, that you'd like to see. I mean, they added Adam Frazier who, I mean, I don't really think he's all that good. I mean, he's all right. He'll play, he'll play every day um, or most days at least. But he's a guy that you're not scared that you're going to – he's not blocking anybody. I mean that's that's one thing mm-hmm. with a lot of their moves. They're adding guys who maybe could help a little bit without blocking anybody. I mean they brought in James McCann in a trade as, to be their backup catcher behind Rutschman, which is fine. Um, and they added pitchers. They added Kyle Gibson for some reason. Uh, they added Cole Irvin for some reason. Well, uh, Cole Irvin's a, a better than uh, for some reason. He's, he's, not, he's not that bad. Um he uh, the, honestly, that trade wasn't that bad, but they added uh, you know, they added a couple of bullpen arms. Michael Givens is one who I just I'm not real high on him and never really have been. But um, I don't know. I mean, this team just seems to be. It seems like they, if, if I were the Orioles, I would have added more pitching. I would have gone out yep. and gotten some more pitching. I think that the lineup is honestly good. I mean, even even with not adding a lot, their lineup is fine. Like, there's really only two weak spots in their lineup. In Kyle Stowers, who's also really young, and he could end up turning into something too. And then, uh, you know, Adam Frazier maybe too. But they've got prospects still coming up too. Uh, some of the guys like like uh, what's it, uh, Westberg, I believe is his name. Yep. Uh, that'll yeah. He'll probably end up in the big leagues this year, even though he's not like projected as one of their opening mm-hmm. day guys. So you know, if Adam Frazier gets replaced by him, then I mean they, you know, that's an upgrade. I mean Ramon Urias could shift over and they could move Gunnar Henderson to to third and have Westbrook play short or so. I I don't know, but they have a really really good and, and then and then of course Grayson Rodriguez is going to be a huge add as as a guy who will be in the big leagues this year and healthy and. I think he's going to immediately come in and, and be really good, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I just don't think they did quite enough on the pitching side. I mean, I, you know, they only have one pitcher that's projected for a better than four ERA, and that's Grayson Rodriguez, who, I mean, hasn't pitched. It's a, yeah. hasn't pitched in the big leagues, so that's it's a tough it's a tough team to look at right now because. I do. I agree. I wish they would have added just a little bit more. Hence the bad grade. But the moves they made are not bad moves, right? Eating, eating pitchers and Kyle Gibson and Cole Irvin. Those guys are going to be able to throw 150 plus innings this year, uh, which takes the pressure off of Grayson Rodriguez and, and DL Hall. It, it allows for you know some of those young pitchers to come up and develop. Remember also with that DH spot. There's they've they've got some non-roster invites that are kind of interesting at that kind of spot, like Ryan O'Hearn and Curtis Terry. Um, also, 
Colton Kowser's got a non-roster invite, which he's one of their top prospects, plays center field, but he could probably sit in at DH if they needed him to, right? Like this, that's a really, really athletic dude who could, who could come in and send Santander to the DH spot. I just, I love the potential with this team, but they just didn't do enough in the off season. For player I like, I'll go with Adley Rutschman. I, it's, you can't, we can't talk enough about Adley Rutschman. I don't think he's maybe going to be the best catcher in baseball for the, the next long while. Um, had an incredible rookie debut with 5.3 wins above replacement in just 113 games. Guy is an elite defensive catcher, a great, already a great game caller. Everybody just kind of knows this guy is, is so bright in terms of baseball IQ and just at the way he is able to kind of analyze the, the hitters in front of him. He's a good hitter, great approach, doesn't strike out, walks a ton, uh, just everything you could possibly want in a in a starting catcher. And I, I feel like he's going to be an all-star. I, I can't wait to watch this guy pit catch. And I want him to catch Grayson Rodriguez. I can't wait for Grayson. Just electric stuff, great off-speed, great fastball. He got hurt, got a, had a, I think it's a lat strain last year. And they just shut him down. They said, look, it's no, it's no big deal. We'll get you healthy. Uh, he was pitching at the end of the season, and he looked fantastic again. I, I really believe Grayson's going to – and you know, throwing to Adley is going to be like the next uh, you know, Wainwright to Yachty type of like elite connection uh, with a pitcher and a catcher in Major League Baseball going forward. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more about, about – I mean both of those guys are, are incredible. Uh, but the guy I picked, um, I went ahead and went with Gunnar Henderson. Um, I really, really like him. I think that he's a guy who I had some concerns about in the past, you know, when after his draft and, and just as he started to come up the ranks um, about his, you know, swing and miss. But last year, the thing that really got me on his on his side, he went from a roughly 30 or really over 30 percent strikeout rate to a 18.3 percent strikeout rate in double A last year. And I think that um, when he did that, yeah. that that really impressed me that he dropped that much off his strikeout rate. And then in AAA, in his first cup of coffee there, 65 games, his strikeout rate was back up some, but it was only it was 26%, which is doable for a guy that has his kind of pop and his kind of uh, profile. And then at the big league level, it was in in 34 games, it was only 26%. So this is a guy who. You know, he cut his strikeout rate while going up levels at age 21. He walks a lot. He's got a good eye. And, I mean, in in the big leagues last year at age 21, he hit, had a 126 WRC plus without any really red flag, like, peripherals that were out of control, even though it's a small sample size. A 333 BABIPs in line with his minor league numbers. Uh, actually, it's a career low. Well, I guess in 2021, he, he's 313 in, in high A. But, I mean, he, he – it's right in line, and the projection systems zips uh, has him projected for five war in 2023, which is I don't think yeah. he'll hit five war, but man, I, this guy's going to be really, really, really good. He's the number one prospect in baseball for a reason, and he's part of the reason the Orioles are going to have a, a a very, very bright future. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so let's talk about some concerns here with this Orioles team. Yeah, so my biggest concern is the pitching. I mean, I listen, like I said before, and I guess this kind of ties into where I said the offseason, their best pitcher is probably Grayson Rodriguez, who has never pitched in the big leagues. 
And outside of him, I mean, you've got Kyle Gibson, who I just don't think is very good. I've been watching him the last couple of years. He's been with on the Phillies, and my Braves have teed off on him. I mean, mm-hmm. Cole Irvin is maybe a number five type starter. You know, there are other guys, Dean Kramer and Kyle Bradish, both really outperformed their peripherals last year. And I think that they're fine to have them in the rotation. And that's part of the thing about why they didn't add a ton, just because they have these guys who did perform okay last year at the big league level that they might want to get another look at while they feel like they're probably even adding another pitcher might not be a contender really. So I kind of get it, but that's why I didn't give them an F for their offseason grade. But, um, but yeah, and then, you know, their bullpen, I mean, Felix Bautista was really, really, really good last year, but he's also a guy who didn't really have a track record before last year. And while his stuff is really good, you know, it'll, it'll be, we'll see if he repeats it. And then the rest of their bullpen just isn't all that good either. I mean, they've got a, they've got some, some, you know, no name guys who, who have, who are young that pitched decent last year. And, but I mean, they, they just don't have a ton there. I mean, Michael Givens isn't very good. And one uh, one thing to look forward to for this team is they do get John Means back at some point, most likely. So that'll help them a lot mm-hmm. when he comes back. And then, of course, you know, with, with the prospects coming up, I mean, I think D.L. Hall ends up in the bullpen. I mean, I think he ends up being a bullpen arm eventually. I don't think he's got the stuff. I, I think he's got the stuff to start, but I don't think he'll have the control to start. Yeah. So but- I think it, it, plus the injury history with him, I think that, he definitely he definitely turns into like a dominant type bullpen arm. So I think that helps eventually in the bullpen. But I mean, I you know it, it, I I don't know. I mean, the pitching staff for me is just it's the problem. Who who is it that you you were well, going to go with? You stole it. It's D.L. Hall. It, it, it's oh, he's well. so nasty. He had a 165 FIP when he came up to the majors last year, um, and and he pitched mostly out of the bullpen. His his stuff is absolutely electric. The problem for him is pretty consistently that the injury bug is going to be difficult for him to overcome if he's a starting pitcher. Can the Orioles optimize his usage is my main concern with D.L. Hall, which is a a good thing to be concerned about, I think, because if they can figure out a way to optimize his ability – where I, what I've seen recently is that the Cubs were using Keegan Thompson in like a two or three inning role to be just this dominant bullpen arm, right? And he was his his fastball velocity ticked up, everything kind of ticked up in terms of nastiness, and then it translated into him being able to throw three innings consistently, which led him to being able to throw five innings consistently, and now he kind of looks like a starter. Can they figure out that optimization with DL Hall? That's I think the big question for this Orioles team going forward. I've got this Orioles team as being buyers at the deadline. I think they're going to be in contention all the way down. They may not make it to the playoffs, but I really want them to try and not be doing what they did last year and selling Trey Mancini and Jorge Lopez into the deadline where then they ended up playing better afterwards anyway. And and if they had just been adding at the deadline, they might've made the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I get that. Um, I will say on DL Hall, I I, wor- I I don't just worry about the injury. I worry about the walks too. I mean, I know in the yeah. big leagues last year, he only pitched 13 innings. So, but at AAA last year, six walks per nine, you know, in 76 yeah. innings. I mean, that's it, a problem. But anyways, I, on the on their outlook for the year, I think I don't think I'm quite as high on them as you are because I think they're going to score a lot of runs. I just don't think that they're going to keep teams from scoring a mm-hmm. lot of runs. And I think last year they had some 
pretty good fortune in, in close games and stuff that kept them uh, kept them afloat most of the year. I think they're going to be a, a better team this year as a whole, but I don't think their record's going to be as good as last year. Uh, but I will say, um, I think they are a possible wild card contender. I see a scenario where they make the wild card. I think they probably sell at the deadline and not sell a lot, but maybe sell some small pieces that they that they brought in. Maybe like an Adam Frazier type or or Jorge Mateo or somebody that you know. Honestly, it could be they could be in in contention and sell because they those guys might be blocking prospects. I mean, like, like, yeah. I, like I mentioned earlier with, with Jordan Westberg, I mean, they could sell Adam Frazier because the, he's blocking Jordan Westberg or something. So um, I could see a scenario where, um, where they, I, I could see a scenario where they're a contender, but I, I do think they're the fourth best team in the division right now. Uh, they're not too far off the race, honestly, but I, I do think yeah. they're the fourth best team in the division right now. No, I think that's absolutely fair. Yeah. And, you know, as we you mentioned the Rays, let's move on to the Rays. You know, their offseason was punctuated by extending Yandy Diaz, Jeffrey Springs, uh, Peter Fairbanks, and then uh, they also signed or they did a trade for the guy who, who was it? Signed Zach Eflin. That was their big offseason move, really. Uh, this is a team that was really good last year. They're really good every year. Their pitching development is amazing. But it's mostly an unchanged team from the team that I believe missed the playoffs last year. They made I'm, the playoffs. They made the playoffs as, I think, the third wildcard team. So yep. 86 wins, a tough AL East division. I had this offseason as a B for them because of those extensions. Oh, it was, um, yeah. Because of those extensions, right? I really liked that they let go of guys like Kevin Kiermeyer that have been just kind of sitting around, and that they've you know gone out and tried to you know appease Yandy Diaz, right? They've they've signed him to a long term extension. You know the Wander Franco deal was last year, but they've already got him locked up. The Rays are spending money; they're keeping the money in house as well and rewarding those guys for performing well. I really like that that you know like Pete Fairbanks doesn't have to worry about a contract right he can just sit back and throw 100 miles an hour and he's going to get paid regardless if he gets hurt you know uh, Jeffrey Springs can go in there and pitch from the left side and be you know a solid pitcher and you know they they've they've gone out and shown everyone hey we like Zach Eflin and he was kind of the the money you know surprise starting pitcher value pick and the Rays went out and spent money and acquired Zach Eflin and he's jumping into their development system. So just overall, I think this is a really, really good offseason for the Rays, even though they didn't really add any big names. I don't think they needed to because this roster was already really good. Yeah, um, I, I agree to a certain level. I, I gave them a C plus, uh, so not too far off of your B grade. Um, I thought that I was a little bit hoping that the Rays might bring in another piece. Um, I think they're they they're the, they're a team that screams above average to me. They don't I don't think their upside is like World Series contender type. Mm. And I think it could have been if they if they would spend money, I think they could. But it's going to have to be more money than just, you know, extensions to a couple of guys that are kind of I mean, I won't say value extensions, but not necessarily like big time extensions, but they're really just adding one player to their, you know, to their roster honestly i mean they might end up adding a you know uh, you know to somebody through you know one of these um minor league signings or something but which is something that the rays do i mean you know they they could trade they might have traded for somebody or you know that that's a minor current minor leaguer they might add somebody uh they do have some good farm system players still too oh yeah um i mean they've got they've got some guys that it does suck that they lost 
that they're not going to have Shane Baz because of Tommy John mm-hmm. surgery. Um, but I think this team has a chance to be pretty good. I'm also glad they didn't trade Tyler Glass now because there were some murmurs that that might happen. But uh, yep. I think they just, I think this team deserves to have him come back and run it back again. Um, and I mean, I like I like their team, but I just like I say, I like some of the extensions they signed. But I would have added a little bit more than just Zach Eflin, who I think is just kind of a you know back end of the rotation swing guy, which I think is a great fit for what the Rays do. But is just I would like I would like to see them add somebody else. Right, I I, I think I under I understand. But yeah. it is the Rays, and they are oh, a, extremely adept at pitching development. Um, and one of the guys who was a success last year, who's now getting penciled in as like their number two, number three, number four starter, is Drew Rasmussen, who who took what oh, yeah. took a perfect He's game good. into the eighth inning last year against the Orioles. He's my guy that I really like. Two eighty four ERA last year, three twenty six FIP, three WAR. Just the the quintessential Rays pitcher. He throws ninety six. He's got just a, a ton of pitches where he can really uh, you know fool the hitters not the highest value guy he got traded to the rays in the the jp fire rising trade i think with milwaukee and it, it's he was like a throw-in and he, they look at what the rays have done with him they've just they took him his walks are completely gone he's got really good stuff he's able to keep the ball on the ground he doesn't give up hard contact He's a, a quintessential Rays success story, and I only expect more things from him as he gets, you know, a full season in the starters role. Yeah, I really like that pick of uh, Drew Rasmussen. I think he's, I think he's a really good pitcher, and uh, I liked him when he was with the Brewers. And yeah, I, I me was like surprised the Rays got him in that trade. But uh, the guy I picked is somebody who I'm sure you don't like me picking because of oh, his I, history. I love but... it. <laughs> oh, I know. I didn't it's, want him uh, to trade not... him. For... I know, I know. It's Isaac Paredes, I think is how you say his name. It's just Isaac, but, uh, yeah, it's Isaac Paredes. Isaac. Yeah. Oh, okay, it's called, I, I, for some reason I thought it was, they, his name had some weird pronunciation, I but. I don't think so. Um, But he is a guy who is a very, very disciplined hitter. Um, He doesn't strike out a lot, you know, this past year in his 111 game, I guess it wasn't his debut season. He did play in the big leagues in 2020 and in 2021, but this was his first, like, semi-full year at the big league level uh 381 plate appearances only a 17.6 percent walk rate to go with a 11 percent strikeout rate i mean 11 percent walk rate and 17 percent strikeout rate uh that's for a 23 year old in his first full big league season um he's a guy who he hit he only hit 205 but he had a 195 babbit now looking at his history his babbit's never going to run very high because of his profile but I mean, 195 is still almost unsustainably low. I would expect him to run somewhere around a 250 to 260 BABIP, which would put him more in that, you know, he, with the same kind of profile that he hit, you know, home run wise this year. I'd put him somewhere in like the 260s as a hitter, 270s in, in, as an average as a hitter. And with his walk rate, he could put up a 350, 360 on base percentage, and uh, which would be, you know, pretty solid. Uh, that's a pretty solid on base percentage. And, um, you know, I think he's a guy who, at the plate, I think it's going to be really good. He put up a 116 WRC plus last year with that bad luck, and I mean, if he gets a little bit better luck and continues to do what he did, he could have put up a 130 plus WRC plus, and that goes along with a guy who he he was never thought of as a good defensive player. Like he was, nobody thought he had a position or anything. But last year, he played 
utility role for them, 50 games at third, 43 games at second, 29 games at first. And he put up a positive defensive season. Uh, so this is a guy who, you know, if he can continue to play good defense and the, maybe gets a little bit luckier with the bat, he could have a real breakout year, put up, you know, four or five wins above replacement. So, um, you know, I really like Isaac, per- Isaac Paredes coming into the season. And uh, I think he's going to be a solid, uh, solid player for this team. And this is what the Rays do. They traded him, traded Austin Meadows for him. And Austin Meadows immediately falls off a cliff and, Isaac Paredes starts to break out in 2022, so I'd look forward to that continuing in 2023. Just remember that Isaac Paredes is coming into his age 24 season. I know. Um, It just for anybody unaware of the history with Isaac Paredes, he was traded in the 2017 deadline by the Cubs for Justin Wilson. Um, In a trade where the Cubs also gave up Jamer Candelario, who played very well for the Tigers for a long time. And it was felt that Isaac Paredes was like a throw-in, right, to get to get Justin Wilson, who was horrible. So yeah. uh, I never wanted them to trade Paredes, and then he's come up and he's actually been really good too now. So yeah. very frustrating, but a really good player, and I love his profile. His ex expected stats aren't all that good, so I do wonder if there's some regression there. But I also wonder if the lack of the shift will help Paredes be able to spray the ball around a little bit and get some of those pull hits. Uh, Moving into guys that we're worried about, uh, I'm worried about another former Cub, Jason Adam. He was really good last year, but his control comes and goes. And Jason Adam was the type of guy who always like fooled a bunch of people, and then he would just melt down for the Cubs. And the race figured him out last year. I, I kind of feel like the meltdowns are coming for Jason Adam and that he'll kind of revert back to being the guy who bounced around a bunch of teams the last couple of years before the race finally landed on him there. Um, but, you know, this team is very difficult to, to pick out any weaknesses. The only other spot I was even considering was their catching position where you've got Christian Bethencourt right now. But even that, even still, like he's a very, you know, well-regarded defensive catcher and they've got the offense with Francisco Mejia. So uh, I, I, this team is very strong where one of their best pitchers last year is one of the ones that I'm like targeting is maybe a guy I'm worried about. So. Yeah, the, the guy that I'm a little worried about is, and, and there were a few guys that I was thinking about picking on this list, but the guy, I, and it's not really that I'm that worried about him as much as it's the fact that I think that this might be his kind of make it or break it year is hmm. Fadal Bruhan. Um, yeah. He's a guy who is a very high-rated prospect and was knocking on the door of the major leagues in 2019, you know, and yeah. he just... I mean, at the big league level, he just hasn't done it. I mean, his he's done it at the AAA level on several occasions, but at the big league level, he just had got it done at 43 WRC plus in 52 games last year. Um, I mean, his plate discipline numbers have gotten gone from being really good in the low minors to just being his. He doesn't strike out a lot, but his walk rates have dropped some uh, since since his early days in, in the in the lower minors and. I mean, I think everything in his profile screams he's going to be good, but his batting average on balls and play has been consistently like below 300 through his last few years. And for a guy who's not going to hit for a lot of power, that's not a very good profile to have. In fact, in you know the fan or the in the the Zips projection system, they project him for 484 plate appearances this year and only eight home runs. Uh, yeah, so, he's not, no, he is not gonna, a power guy. 
Right. So he is going to run well. The stolen bases are going to be nice, but um, and he plays. He, you know, by all accounts, he plays pretty good defense. Uh, you could, you know, in center field, he can also play the infield some. I think he played 31 games at second base last year. Um, yep. and but he, you know, he came up, played a lot of outfield too. So he could end up being like a really good, you know, speed contact oriented utility guy in the future. But this is kind of a make it break it year because this is a guy who they were talking about coming up at age 21, and now he's 25 and he still hasn't really put it together at all at the big league level. So for a former yeah. top. 30 prospect you know i think it's starting to get t- crunch time and i'm a little bit worried about him going forward he was he was a guy i once thought was going to be like a centerpiece for this race franchise and he just hasn't ended up being that right well i've got this race team winning like 85 to 90 games again being in contention for that wild card spot and being a really good team i i'm rather certain you'll agree here this is just a a solid roster with a very good opportunity to to get into the playoffs yeah i i agree this is a solid this is a solid team for me and you know i don't know where the upside is with it because i just i mean like some of their lineup they got a few pieces in their lineup but some of their lineups just not they're going to be i think we're pretty certain they're going to be solid they're just not going to have a super high upside guys guys like Manny Margo or you know, you know, uh, Jose Siri, Christian Bethencourt, like we're, th- we don't think they're terrible, but the players, but they're just, their upside's not really there with them. And then uh, I do think that, you know, maybe a breakout breakout for Wander Franco could go a long way for this team. And, and hopefully the pitching stays healthy this year, but I agree. I think they're a pretty good wild card type team. So. All right. Well, the only bit of news we have over the last two weeks comes with our next team. It is the Toronto Blue Jays. They signed Chad Green to a two-year, $8.5 million deal with a third-year option. On top of that, we're looking at this Blue Jays offseason, which was extremely busy compared to the other teams. Uh, They traded for Dalton Varsho. They traded away Teoscar Hernandez for Swanson, I believe. Um, They traded – they signed Kevin Kiermaier (laughs) – this has been a, a rather busy offseason for the, the Toronto Blue Jays. How would you grade the offseason? And in so doing, what do you think of the Chad Green move? Um, well, I gave him a B-plus on oh. their offseason. Chris Bassett, too. Forgot about yeah, Chris, Bassett, Chris and, and Brandon Belt. Yep, and um, Belt. There's the other yeah, two. I, I, gave him, I gave him a B-plus on their offseason. I thought that they did a good job. Um, I think that you know, some of the guys they traded away, I mean, I like Dalton Varsho. I don't think I'm quite as high on Dalton Varsho as, as you and Damian have been. I, I like him, but I don't know if I would have given up a top 10 prospect for him in baseball uh, by a lot of accounts. Um, I think that, uh, you know, that might have been a high price to pay. And then giving up, you know, Teoscar Hernandez, who has been a really solid hitter for you for a – you know, a reliever who's pretty good, but, you know, not like some elite reliever is, I thought was a little bit, I thought it was a little bit rich, but, but I think this is a, um, not to mention the fact they gave up Guriel in that far show trade as well, but I thought that they did a good job. I like the Chris Bassett signing. I think they needed to add a little bit more depth to their rotation. Um, and then uh, I would have liked to have seen them add maybe another bullpen arm at some point. But everything else, I mean, I, I mean, I think that the guys that they added in their lineup are good. 
Uh, I think Kevin Kiermeyer helps stabilize center field defense for them. I think that Brandon Belt adds a left-handed bat, which I think it was a they made it a point to go out and get a couple left-handed bats because this lineup was super right-handed yeah. heavy last year, and I think that helps. They've still got a good catching tandem with Alejandro Kirk, who will DH a good bit too, and then Danny Jansen, who's a really solid catcher himself. Um, I like this team. I don't think they had to do a ton, and I don't think they did an awful lot, but they did some good things, and I gave, so I gave them a B plus. So. I'm, I'm right there with you. A minus for me, but the difference being that I think the Dalton Varsho move yep. was exactly the right kind of move for this team, where you trade from a strength to fill a desperate weakness. And I know I said that a lot on the on the Varsho podcast a few episodes ago when we talked about this trade, but it it was he was maybe the best left-handed bat that moved this offseason. I don't know that there were really that many more like because a lot of those bats were righty the I, we were we were thinking about the cubs getting left-handed bats and there was like almost nobody that you could think of right it was like it, it, all the bats were righty this offseason it seemed like except for like yeah. jock peterson right so you know ultimately this was a a the smart move to go ahead and get a really strong left-handed bat with a ton of defensive versatility and upside in varsho when you're dealing out of a strength, right, with Kirk and Jansen, those guys are really solid. Uh, they'll be able to – the three of them, really, will be able to hold down that catcher position for this team. I, I just like this offseason a lot for the Blue Jays. Um, my my preferred player to talk about real quick is, is Bo Bichette because the end of the season last year, his second half was really, really good. Um, and I'm trying to pull it up quickly. Should have had our producer do that. Um, but second half, Bobachet last year, he hit uh, 337 with a 378 on base and a 543 slugging for a 921 OPS and a 163 WRC plus. Uh, he went insane that second half. He had a long hitting streak. He had some games where he was just the reason the Blue Jays won. He's a streaky hitter. He's he's not the best defender, but this is this is what you've got with with a guy like Bobachet with with someone this electric is that you're going to get those streaks and it's almost a hobby by approach, but without the swing and miss where you're getting that just the power, the speed, the, the, the contact, but you're getting it all wrapped into a, you know, a young 24 year old shortstop with who has now like four years of MLB experience. Uh, I think he's an all-star for years to come and he's going to be the reason this team gets to the playoffs again next year. And he's maybe like some a small adjustment, a couple of small adjustments, maybe in the in the 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 taking pitches category, uh, away from being a you know perennial all star and MVP candidate. Uh, Bobachet's coming into his age twenty five season too. Like I'm just looking for him to have a massive year. Yeah, you mentioned the I, I like Bobachet too, but you mentioned the the swing and the uh, the walk, take a pitch every now and then. Uh, mm-hmm. that would be that would go a long way for him. But the guy I wanted to uh, pick for mine is I think that he got overshadowed an awful lot last year, and mm-hmm. it's Matt Chapman. Matt Chapman yep. was really good last year. He had a 117 sure WRC plus, and his defense wasn't as good last year as it typically has been. And I think his defense will bounce back. I don't think that's a skill that just went away. I think it's just more of defensive metrics are wonky um than anything else and i mean he put up over four wins above replacement last year and just about nobody's talking about it and in fact i think a lot of people were talking about him being a disappointment 
And I, I just I don't I can't imagine actually thinking that. But uh, I think that this year I think his batting average on balls in play will bounce bounce back just a little bit. And you know he's not going to be and his strikeout rate dropped back down to 27% last year where it had been over 30% two years in a row. And I definitely think this is a guy who I think, I, I think he might touch 240 with the average, but he walks a pretty good bit over 10% and, you know, puts up a 330 on base and he slugs. He hit 27 home runs last year. You know, he's, he's a 30 home run potential guy again this year. And with his defense, I think he's one of the best players on this team. In fact, I think he could end up having a higher war than Bo Bichette this year because of the defense. And I think that, um, you know, there's a lot of guys on this team to like. I mean, you can obviously like you know, Vlad Jr. and Springer. And I mean, this team's got some great players. But I, I just wanted to shout out Matt Chapman just because nobody talks about him. I mean, and, and I think he deserved to get talked about a lot more last year. Just taking a look through Matt Chapman's uh, stats, second half, he had a 129 WRC yep. plus on the strength of a 14% walk rate, but he also struck out more in the second half. I think Matt Chapman yep. might be at his best when he's a three true outcomes hitter, um, which is weird to say because that's not always what you want, especially with the shift going away. But I think when Matt Chapman is working walks and trying to crank the ball over the fence, he is the best hitter he can be. Um, you know, and, and it was clear there in the second half. But uh, as for someone you're worried about, who would that be? Well, I think the easy answer is Jose Barrios. He was awful last year. Like, mm-hmm. they traded for him in 2021. They signed him to a long extension, and last year he was absolutely horrible. He put up a 523 ERA last year, and, I mean, a 455 FIP was – didn't really show that that 523 RA was that much of a fluke. I mean, he pitched 172 innings, so he did, he didn't deal with any injuries or anything. He was just bad. His uh his walk his strikeout rate nosedived, dropped over two strikeout or dropped dropped almost two full strikeouts per nine. Uh his uh his ground ball rate dropped. His batting average allowed on balls in play went up, which could signal a little bit of bad luck. But I think part of it was just getting hit harder. And uh, his his off-speed pitches, his, he's been famous for his curveball, and it just wasn't as good last year. Didn't get a lot of swing and miss. You know, even when he had good games, a lot of it was, you know, he was getting a lot of pitches fouled off and stuff, you know, where that used to be a swing and a miss. I remember watching some games where it just seemed like he could not put guys away. Um, and I just don't know if he's going to rebound. I mean, I, he'll probably rebound to a certain level, but this is a guy who in his past, I mean, his best season was 2021 where he put up a 3.52 ERA. And I mean, that's good. He, he was good in 2021. He's good in 2019 as well, but you know, a, a mid threes ERA is kind of his peak and being an innings eating number three, number four, isn't really what Toronto thought they were getting. They were th- I think they thought they were getting a guy who was a number two at worst when they brought him in and I mean, there were a lot. There was a lot of buzz about him coming into last year about being a potential like Cy Young, dark horse type guy. In fact, I think Damian picked him to win Cy Young yeah, last year. And I mean, it, and and it would, and you know, it wasn't a totally foolish pick at the time. I mean, it's there were a lot of people picking him. So, I, I mean, I just I don't think he's going to be very good. I I also just just want to throw in while we're talking about it. I also don't think Alec Manoa is quite as good as he was last year, too. I think Alec Manoa is a very good pitcher, but he had some pretty good luck last year. He's not a 224 ERA type pitcher. 
he's a good pitcher. He's not that good. And I think he'll have some regression, although I think he'll still be a really good pitcher. He'll have some regression from that. So just wanted Jose to throw Barrios. that Jose Barrios' stat cast page is really interesting. He's got a, uh, a positive 17 uh run value on the forcing fastball, which in a pitcher's case is the, they, they gave up 17 more runs, I think, yeah. than the average pitch. Uh, his fastball was the reason he was bad last year. It was really bad. Uh, his sinker was, by contrast, negative four, so four above average, I guess, for a pitcher. Allowed four less runs. Uh, and his curveball was also above average. I think if you just did away with his forcing fastball, let him throw sinkers, I think he'd be a far better pitcher. Uh, so fastball, the issue for Jose Barrios, my guy is Kevin Kiermeyer. I don't like that signing. I just, I don't like, I don't think Kevin Kiermeyer is the kind of guy you can rely on really. Um, I think they'll need to either address that with trade or, you know, he's going to get hurt down the stretch, but a one-year deal is not bad. I just think for 2023, you can't be relying on Kevin Kiermeyer in center field. Hopefully George Springer can play center and they can kind of dodge around Kiermeyer's injuries and just platoon him. But I don't like that signing. I think that's kind of their expectation is honestly for him to, yeah. for for Springer to play center and then Kiermaier to be like a fourth outfielder, you know, come in and to play center late in games type guy. Cause he is a really good defender, but, but yeah, I don't, I don't think he's an everyday player at this stage, but um, you know, moving on, uh, I guess we'll talk about our, you know, our, where we think this team's going to be at this year. Um, and I, I think they're a world series contender. I don't think I'd put them on the top of my world series list, mm. But I think they're they're definitely a contender. I think they'll be. Uh, I think they're probably the favorite in their in the division going in. Um, and I mean, I just I like their I like their lineup a lot, and I like their. I'm a little worried about their bullpen. Um, and their rotation's going to be really good. I think at the, even if Jose Barrio struggles, I mean, I think Kevin Gossman is really, really, really good. Alec yeah. Manoa, even though I said I didn't like him, I think he's still a good pitcher. I just don't think he's as good as he was last year. But I mean, I think he's bad. And I think Chris Bassett was a really good move to bring in a guy who's going to be a really, really stable number three. And, uh, you know, I, I think they're a good team. Um, I think, like I say, I think they'll win you know, somewhere, I don't think they're going to win a hundred games, but I think they'll be in the nine, you know, 90 win category, somewhere in the mid 90 wins and, and definitely probably my favorite for the division right now. So I like them a lot. They're my favorite for the division. And I think this is an a hundred win team. I think they've fixed their flaws from last year where they couldn't catch the Yankees and the Yankees are almost exactly the same team. So we'll, we'll talk about the Yankees right now, but I just I really like what the, the steps this Blue Jays team has made. And then they don't have to play the Yankees as many times this year. And I think they'll beat up on a lot of the teams that are worse with the worst pitching. There's their their lineup is going to be very difficult for most uh, most teams to get through. So we'll go to the Yankees now. Uh, remember, the Yankees re-signed Aaron Judge, re-signed Anthony Rizzo, signed Carlos Rodon. And that's about it. Uh, their offseason was pretty menial aside from their kind of retention of the two big bats and then the signing of Rodon. They also brought Tommy Canely back uh, from the Dodgers. And, you know, they, a lot of their moves have been made previously. You know, Frankie Montas, Scott F. Ross, uh, you know, th- this is a team that they know what they are, right? They're an NLCS loser basically they think they've lost the nlcs four years in a row three years in a row something like that 
or three of the last four, something, something like that. It's, it's definitely a frustrating time, even though there's a lot of success happening right now in New York. Yeah. Uh, I gave them for, for my grade, I gave them a B plus. Um, I thought that the, or sorry, I gave them an A minus. I thought that the, um, I thought that they absolutely had to bring Aaron judge back and they did. Um, so that was, that was a good move. Uh, I really liked the Carlos Rodon edition. I think it adds, uh, it adds two things for him. It adds a lefty and it adds a guy who I think is when he's healthy, which that's kind of the question mark with Rodon. I think he's like a top 10 pitcher in baseball when he's healthy. Um, he's really, really, really good. And you add that to Garrett Cole. I mean, that's a one, two punch that is going to be very difficult to hit down the stretch and it also lengthens their starting rotation too because i mean luis severino is better than a number three i think for most teams and then you know we'll see what nestor cortez does to back up his year he had last year but he was a very good pitcher last year and he's like their number four and then frankie Mm -hmm. montas is their number five if he's healthy so like that is an insane rotation that they have if, if they're all healthy and ready to go so I think that this is a pretty good team, um, and I, like I say, I, I thought the additions they made were the guy, the guy they had to add. They tr- they did address their bullpen with Tommy Canley. I, I do think their bullpen needed some work, and I mean Tommy Canley was a, is a pretty good addition. We'll see what he brings this year. I know that he's dealt with injuries, and last year, you know he I, he was. He came up with the back up with the Dodgers, only pitched 12 innings, and he was pretty good in his 12 innings. So we'll see if he's able to, you know, come back strong this year. If he comes back to being the guy he was last time he pitched in New York, then they're they done they did good. So, but uh, that's yep. kind of the question mark. But I really like their offseason. I mean, I probably would have maybe tried to add another bat, but I mean, adding Anthony Rizzo back was big. So I, I think this is a good team, and I like what they did. Don't forget they'll also be adding Michael King back. I didn't name my my number there, but it's it's a it's a B for me because they didn't address some of the issues with this roster, right? This roster is extremely top heavy, like 99th percentile top heavy. Yeah. Last year, Aaron Judge to for, as a number one player on his team in wins above replacement to the number two player on his team offensively in wins above replacement. That was Jose Trevino last year. The gap was the most it's ever been from one to two in any team like in the like recorded or something like that. It's, it's astronomical. So I, I worry that they didn't do enough. I think they were, they were bandying about trading Glaber Torres. They didn't do anything about Aaron Hicks. You know, they, they didn't get add another catcher. It's still Trevino and Higashioka. Um, can DJ LeMahieu get going? I just, this is, this is a questionable overall roster. Um, one place that's not questionable is that Garrett Cole's the ace. He's yeah. somebody we don't talk to talk about at this point. And I think he even gets unfair hate, I think, from Yankees fans because he's not been particularly great in the the most important situations. But this is a guy who's come in and been a rock solid elite top end pitcher for them. Uh, all three years he's been there with tons of strikeouts. You know, last year he got bit a little more by the long ball, but he's throwing 98 miles an hour. He hasn't fallen off from his his Houston days. You know, he's got a lock as an ace in, in Yankee Stadium, and he's able to make that work. Um, and last year he was good in the playoffs. I just Garrett, we don't we don't talk about Garrett Cole a lot because you just kind of expect him to be good at this point. But you know, he's on a Hall of Fame track. He probably needs another Cy Young. 
and a bunch more years like his last couple. But, you know, I, he's projected for four wins above replacement again. He's thrown 200 innings in five of the last seven full seasons or seven seasons total, but, you know, six full seasons. So uh, he's reliable, durable, just really solid. I, I like Garrett Cole a lot here. I think he's going to be, uh, uh, you know, another another good season. Yeah, I, I agree on Garrett Cole. I think he's really good. Uh, and I just wanted to, I guess, with my guy, I wanted to reiterate on Rodon. Um, I I mean, in his last two years, I mean, in 2021 with the White Sox, mm-hmm. he did deal with some injuries, which is the the real setback with him at this point. But he, as a pitcher in 130 innings, he had a 237 ERA and 5-4. Um, mm-hmm. And then in 2022, with the Giants and on a one-year deal because of the fear of injuries. I, I think it was actually like a three-year deal, but they hit an opt-out. Uh, he threw 178 innings, so he was closer to that milestone. And and I think the Giants also just kind of limited his innings. I don't think he ever got hurt last year. Uh, but he had a 288 ERA with a 225 FIP and six war. So in his last two years, yeah. a guy who hasn't – I mean – he was limited a little bit in 2021 by injury. He still put up over 11 wins above replacement in his last two years. As a, uh, and this guy, he's, he's he's really 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 good, and um, I think that um, you know we'll um, we'll see we'll see what happens with him this year. And if, but if he stays healthy, I mean, that, adding him to Garrett Cole, I mean, you've got two like legit number ones if you put those two guys together, right. you know. And I think that that's. I, I don't know. I really like Carlos Rodon. I think these, the Yankees fans are going to really like him too. As for, I know you've written down, as for your, uh, your worrisome player, who, who you got, I think it might stir the Yankees fans slightly. Yeah. Well, I have a, I have one that I just wanted to throw out just for conversation. Then I have one that I actually am worried about. The one I just wanted to kind of throw out is, Aaron Judge, and you know why Aaron Judge is a player I don't, I don't feel that great about. It's because last year he put up 11 WAR, and you're just like it feels like the Yankees are almost relying on him to do that again. I mean, and he's not going to do that again, in my opinion. I mean, I, I just I can't imagine. I mean, he put up a historic season. You can't ask somebody to put up a 62 home run, 207 WRC plus, 11 wins above replacement season again. I mean, putting up seven wins this year is very possible for him, which is why I say it's hard to say I'm worried about him. But, I mean, he has to carry the Yankees like he did last year for them to be a World Series favorite. And I just don't see him doing that. That's why I said I'm worried about him just because I don't think that he's going to do what – I think he's going to have such unreal expectations this year that it's he's not going to live up to them. But the guy I'm actually, like, worried about is, is Giancarlo Stanton. We could have said this a few years in a row, but of course, even like in the past, he's still been like like in 2021. We could have said we're worried about Giancarlo Stanton, but he still had a 354 on base, 516 slugging, 35 home runs, 137 WRC plus, put up you know two and a half wins above replacement for a DH. He was still really good. Last year, he dealt with the injuries again, and he just wasn't that good. He, his strikeout rate was up. His walk rate was uh, it's about the same, but he only he had a sub 300 on base percentage last year and a 462 slugging, which just isn't Giancarlo Stanton-like numbers. And, I mean, a guy who he's 33 years old, he's struggling to, um, you know, he's, he's not 
why he can't really play the field that much anymore, even though they did play him out there some, I think, last year in the outfield. Uh, he's dealt with so many injuries, and their performance last year just wasn't all that great. I mean, a 211 average, a 227 Babbitt definitely contributed to that, but still, I mean, I just, I just don't know. I just don't know about John Carlos Stanton going forward. I think he's going to hit home runs still, but I just don't think he's going to be that like elite level hitter that he used to be. And it's the decline. He's going to, I think he's going to put up a 110 to 120 WRC plus this year rather than that 130 to 140 number that he really needs to as a high priced DH for New York. So uh, I think the real thing to watch with him is the home run numbers. I mean, he's a guy that's a potential 500 home run guy if he can continue to play. And, uh, you know, he's at 378 right now. So if he has a decent year, he could get up to 400 this year. And uh, we'll see what happens with that going forward. But I just don't see him as being like a middle-of-the-order big-time bat anymore. But we'll see. Here's my my brief rebuttal on Giancarlo, and then I'll go into my guy because we're running low on time here. Uh, He did have a somewhat unlucky numbers per stat cast and was 100th percentile in max exit velocity and 99th percentile in average exit velocity and 98th percentile in barrel percentage and 98th percentile in hard hit. He is still mashing the ball. He also was 85th percentile in walk rate. He's not, he's not dead. I I don't think is is kind of the the idea. He's not done. He's got the skills. He's got the mash. It's just going to require, I think, healthiness and then also like health and then also rhythm. He's he got out of the rhythm a lot because of those little nagging injuries last year and wasn't able to put up the same numbers because I think he was out of rhythm and, and kind of in and out of the lineup a lot. So can the Yankees get Giancarlo Stan into rhythm? Is a big question. The other big question is, can DJ LeMahieu slug anymore? Uh, this is his second consecutive season off of two 500 slugging seasons yeah. uh, in 2019 and 2020. Since then, he's been slugging uh, 370 in the last two seasons. And that's in Yankee Stadium, where we expect you to be slugging way higher than that. Uh, LeMahieu's plate approach is good. But he's not dangerous, and I think that plate approach is going to start coming down with uh, pitchers realizing that they are not getting punished uh, by DJ LeMahieu like they were in 2019 and 2020. Uh, you know, 26 home runs, 20 and then 10 in the shortened season. I I just 10 last 10 in 2021, 12 last year. DJ LeMahieu's got to hit for more power if he's going to stick in this Yankees lineup because they really need that like third hitter. You know, behind Judge, or well, they're the fourth hitter behind Judge Rizzo, Stanton, but Stanton's been out, so really it's just been Judge and Rizzo. They've got to have that other guy that can get on base in front of them. Lemayhu's really just not doing that well enough right now. It, it seems like their lineup it gets very disconnected without him. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I mean, DJ Lemayhu is a guy who I think was a juiced ball guy. He got the combination yeah, of juiced sure. ball plus moving into Yankee Stadium that he had a lot of home runs, but for a year or two, but he's this is the guy he's always been. I mean, he mm-hmm. has good plate approach, but he just doesn't slug. So, um, but yeah, moving on to our, um, you know, to our outlook. I, I think the Yankees are, a, I think they're probably like the top wild card team. And I think they're, I think they're good. I think that the pitching staff's going to carry them. The lineup has some good pieces, but it's not all that deep. They do have some upside of their lineup. You know, you've got a young guy like Oswald Peraza who could end up 
you know, taken off this year or something. Like you've got some variance there. Um, and you got a bunch of bounce back candidates too. a guy like, you know, like you mentioned, um, you know, DJ LeMayhew could bounce back some compared to what he did last year. I mean, you know, John Carlos Stanton, you know, like I said, I'm worried about him, but at the same time, like he's a guy who might bounce back some, um, I mean, I they do they are aging. I mean, you've got like thirty three year old Aaron Hicks in the outfield. You've got thirty four year old or soon to be thirty four year old Anthony Rizzo, thirty seven year old Josh Donaldson. I mean, it, it's a tough team to predict because I just don't know how good the lineup is. I don't think the bullpen's very good, but the man, the starting pitching is insane, and the lineup's got upside. So I, I do think that they're a top, the top wild card team. But this is a team to watch out for on the health front because they have a lot. They had a lot of injuries last year, and this year, I mean, between Garrett Cole will probably be healthy, but but Carlos Rodon is a guy who's been injured a lot, and Frankie Montas is already injured and gets injured a lot. So I mean it. You know, your one injury, Luis Severino's dealt with injuries a lot. You know, that, that strength and that rotation could turn into a, we're not so sure about this thing very, very quickly. So uh, we'll see what happens. Hopefully they, um, you know, hopefully they stay healthy and we get to see what this team could be capable of. But um, I uh, definitely think they're a wild card team. And, and I think they're probably the, my top wild card team, if I had to guess today. I certainly wouldn't be surprised if the Yankees win this division. Um, but... I like the Blue Jays a little bit more. I, I would say the Yankees are like 90 to 95 wins. I got Blue Jays like 95 to 100. So, uh, you know, they, they won't be able to go head-to-head as often this year, and I think that's what contributes to it because I think if you place these teams head-to-head, you'd pick the Yankees over the Blue Jays in 19 games. You'd give the Yankees like a three- or four-game advantage. In 12 games, you'd probably pick them 50-50, right? So that's where I'm kind of – maybe the Yankees plus one. So that's where I think the gap comes, and I think this Yankees team is a wild-card team with every opportunity to go back to uh, the the championship series again. You know, and can they make that final step? I don't know. I think they'll need to do something at the deadline in order to make that happen. So uh, that is the AL East. We were eh, 10 minutes over an hour, but uh, Matt, any final thoughts before we head out here tonight? Um, I think this is an interesting division. It's one of the highest. Um, I think it's going to be one of the better divisions in baseball. Um, it, I think there's a lot of variance in this division too, because I mean there is a scenario, and, I, and like I say, I don't like the Red Sox roster, but there's a scenario where they end up being better than they're expected to be, and and end up contending. And there's a scenario where like the Yankees are awful. Like there's a scenario where that happens. These aging players stink, and they're you know and they're rotation has a couple injuries like there's so i mean i I really don't think the blue jays are going to be awful i don't think that's really a thing but um but yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens uh in this division and then also you know we just wanted to bring up before uh the end of the show uh that the world baseball classic uh is this year so some pitchers and catchers are reporting in one week to the spring training sites which is kind of awesome so by the time we have our next episode, there will be players uh, at spring training, which is yep. very good to hear. So yep, we'll be we'll be out next week. Next week's our designated yep. off week there before. And then we will be weekly from here to the beginning of the season. So uh, enjoy your week off and um, we'll yep. see you guys in two weeks. It should be fun.
Yep, it should be, and uh, hope uh, hope Damien feels better, and I'm sure he'll be back with us in a couple weeks, actually talking instead of just listening. So, <laughs> right. So, uh, thanks everyone again. This has been the Batflip Podcast. We will see you guys next time. Thanks everybody.